You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Be careful if you get a delivery from God's Pizza. We're watching. The funny thing is about those little videos that are funny is uh, when we relate to them, and you sort of look around at the people next to you to see like if they notice that you were laughing because you don't want to get caught being like identifying with the video, right? Um, so today we're in week three of our series on financial freedom in the ABCs of financial freedom. We've covered the A, the attitude, B, bondage. We talked about debt last week, Aaron and I did. And today we're jumping into the C, which is choice, okay? And today we're going to talk a lot about... Um, the choices you have that you can choose to do things differently in your life. You can choose to adjust your lifestyle. You can choose to adjust your spending. And you can choose to be obedient and tithe. And so as we get in today, we're going to talk a lot about uh, tithing and the choices that we can make. Okay, so remember a few weeks ago when we started the series, I asked people to email us in stories about uh, tithing and like give us real life examples. We wanted real stories from real people um, to hear how it actually goes when they made the choice to tithe. And so um, one of the stories that somebody shared with us, I'm going to share with you this morning, and. The reason it's a neat story is because over the years, when we talk about money in church, we inevitably have a lot of like people that want to have little side conversations with us, they, and they, they kind of wait for the right time and the right place, or they send you an email, and they want you to hear their special circumstances, their specific story, so that you can understand why they should be exempt from tithing, because their circumstances are da, 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 right? Like they've got a story that if only God knew the situation they were in, surely he wouldn't require them to tithe. And they come to the staff to like sell them on the idea, like somehow I have the authority to like give them the pass on tithing. Like I, I don't. That's between you and the Lord. And so we hear excuses. And so this is a neat story from a real couple in our church who stopped making excuses and chose to start tithing. And it's neat because he kind of shares with us um, where he started in the beginning, what was going on in his life, and then kind of how things changed. So I'm going to do my best to zip through it here with you guys. But this is, a, again, we said we wouldn't share anybody's name, so I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's a real couple that goes to Pullman, and they're awesome. So it goes like this. He said, our story began back in 2015, at least the exciting part did, because that's where God's conviction and grace really showed up in our lives. For years um, before that, as a student and a young professional, tithing carried a mixed bag of misunderstanding, anxiety, and avoidance. I was living paycheck to paycheck to pay the bills and the debt that I'd acquired, and I found myself at the end of each month with little or nothing to spare. God didn't get the first fruits of my labor because I was already spending everything on bills and debt first. Now, throughout the years, I had heard plenty of sermons and talks about tithing and being faithful with what God calls you to do with your finances. And then he says, I'd have a short-lived conviction, but in time, I would just go back to justifying my old ways and rationalize my disobedience, telling myself that I'd just stop tithing for a little while until I could get my head above water, and then I'll get back on track with God. And he said, I remember thinking, 
God doesn't need my money anyways, and it didn't seem like the church was really struggling, and it's not like my few hundred bucks a month would ever really make a difference anyways. And he says, my understanding about tithing and my personal views on money were conflicted. It took me a long time to start practicing what it meant to be a good and faithful steward of what God had blessed me with. Before my wife and I got married, we dated for about two and a half years, and this period marked a huge transformation in my own personal life as God prepared and sharpened my heart to be a husband and a spiritual leader in our family. He said we were spending a lot of money in travel, and then, of course, lots more with wedding preparations and uh, with a daughter getting married in my life here pretty soon. I can understand the outflow of money. It's already started. The siphon has been started. Uh, so he says, and about that time, uh, in the middle of all that change in activity, that uh, we committed to tithing 10% to the church. He said, we'd always enjoyed giving and had a good attitude about it, but that commitment helped with that even more. He said, we were reminded of Luke 16, where God talks about being faithful with the little things, that you'll be faithful with the larger ones as well. Little did we know that being faithful in our giving would help transform the way we viewed and loved God's church, our community, and the freedom of letting go. Now he says, fast forward to present day. We've experienced so many blessings that we can attribute to this simple act of faithfulness. Financially, as a couple, we're making 150% more than we did just uh, less than three years ago. That came from several promotions and greater job satisfaction. And now, uh, he says, they're completely free from debt. They paid off all their credit card debt, car loan, and wedding expenses, and they actually have a savings account. He said, we've learned that all we have has been given to us by grace, and it can all be taken away just as quickly. Our experience in giving has taught us many things, but above all, the greatest lesson has been one of gratitude and faith faithfulness towards a God that loves and provides for us. So pretty cool story. Like that's real people that sit by you in church that walked out that experience. Now the neat thing is that if you're here today and you're not tithing or maybe you don't fully understand what tithe is, I hope by the end of the day and the end of the service today, you will for sure understand what the Bible says about tithing, understand what it is and why we do it and all of the ifs, ifs ands, and buts about it. But the cool thing is, is if you're not tithing by the end of the day, like that story could be your story. You can choose to make the adjustments you need to make to, to be able to tithe. That could be your story. Um, the reality is you may have to make some lifestyle adjustments. For some, choosing to tithe will be as simple as making the commitment to tithe in the way you're gonna learn about today. For other people, it may take some major adjustments in your life because your lifestyle may be exceeding your paycheck or it may be tapping your paycheck to the last penny and you may need to make some major lifestyle adjustments in order for you to put yourself in a position to be obedient with God, with God's things, God's way. Like, so way back um, before there was color TV, um, not really, my wife and I, when we first got married, we both had uh, good jobs, good careers, and we're not in ministry, and we were making good money, and as we got married, one of the first things we did is decided to have a house built, and so we built this house, and we were super excited about it. Between us, we have five kids, and so we built 
about as much house as we could possibly afford to make room for everybody. And we really thought naively at the time, like this was our forever house. You know, like I remember looking back thinking like this was going to be the place we were going to raise our kids. And so we put a lot of time and money into the house. We added on a huge garage and we put a bonus room above it. There was like a 600 square foot bonus room with was our master suite that had vaulted ceilings and fireplace and his and her closets. Like his was like this and hers was like this, you know, like that kind of deal. And it was a sweet house. And the kids had their own rooms. We had space. We put in landscaping and sprinklers and fences. And if you know me, I'm, I like construction. I come from a construction background. I do a lot of building. And so I built this super cool uh, two-story Wild West looking building that looked like a Western saloon with like windows for shooting people out in the backyard, like this fort for our kids, right, in the back. It was really cool. And... Uh, so we put all this time and energy into this house. We had nice cars. We had a boat. Like, life was good. And then God called me to come into ministry full-time. And when we answered the call and went into ministry full-time, um, we really were just like, whatever it takes. Like, we, we're in. And I, I took the job, honestly, looking back, I, I didn't mention this first service, but I kind of forgot. I didn't know how much I was going to get paid until after I accepted the job and got hired. And then my wife was about to have a heart attack. Like, uh, and I'm like, ah, it'll work out. I don't know. <laughs> so that was either blind faith or stupidity, a little bit of both probably. And we went through the refiner's fire with our finances. Like, we really had a rubber meet the road lifestyle adjustment season. And so we really wanted to make some adjustments. We wanted to be in a position to be able to be obedient to God, to be able to fulfill and tithe fully and have leftovers and surplus to be generous. We wanted to be in a position also where with five young kids at home uh, and going to school, we wanted my wife to be able to be more available when they were home and to not just be like, daycareing the kids or latchkeying and all that stuff. So we started to make some major adjustments. We sold our house. Um, if we would have waited a year, we would have probably made 20 grand on it. The day we sold it, we made about $2 or something like that. Um, I think we went out to dinner one time on the profit from the house sale. It was basically nothing. And we bought a smoking hot it had some mint green. It actually had a lot of mint green. It was a smoking hot single wide trailer in a trailer park for 26,000 bucks. Two bedroom, single wide trailer, in a trailer park. Everybody's dream destination to raise your kids, right? All four of our boys were in the back bedroom that was the master that had a bathroom and a closet big enough for one kid to get dressed in. That was the big room. The front room, if you've ever been in a single wide trailer, old ones, the front bedroom is really like a glorified oversized closet, you know, like it's not a bedroom. That was our daughter's bedroom. So my wife and I had no bedroom. So we bought a futon and we had trunks and we got creative with where we put our clothes and like decorate. My wife's amazing. Like she could take that and you would walk in there and be like, everybody walked in and we're like, oh, this is so nice. You would never know it. And you're like, yeah. Uh, every night we made up our bed and we put the bed down and we did the little house on the prairie living and every morning we put our bed away and we did it for years. And to this day, if you ask our kids, what's the favorite place you've ever lived? They'll all say that house. And it's the adjustment we had to make to be in a position to be obedient to the Lord. And on top of that, we wanted my wife to be available, to be around when our kids were around. So I got to brag on her a little bit. Like she graduated magna cum laude from college, top of her class, degree in business and marketing. She's a sharp gal. Um, I have no idea 
you guys figure that out, how I got her. She, yeah, I'm lucky. Uh, so she graduated at the top of her class. She had a great job at Tomlinson Black uh, Real Estate. We were both doing good, making good money, and a job she really enjoyed and loved. And we wanted to make some adjustments so she could be home and available with our kids. She took an awesome job as a receptionist part-time at Mr. Reuter, the septic sucking company. Whoops. So those were really fun calls to answer with your business degree. You know, like, my toilet, yeah, you get the idea. But it made it so that she was available to be home when our kids were home and at work when our kids were at school. And we were making decisions based on what was best for us to be obedient and follow God and do God's things God's way with our family. Not like what was best for our resume, not was what was best for our, our, you know, to get the toy that we wanted or whatever. So we made the choices we needed to make to be able to be obedient to God, okay? And so I just share that with you to say that you can, to give you some hope, like you can do it. Been there, done it. And in hindsight, we thought we were a little crazy ourselves at the moment when we did it, but in hindsight, like it was a sweet, sweet season for our family. And our kids to this day look back on it as one of our fondest times together as a family as the years we spent in the beautiful mint green single wide. So there's hope. So today we're going to talk about tithing a lot, okay? As we get into this stuff about tithing, I've got to give you a little disclaimer up front. We're in this series on financial freedom. Today is the day where we talk about tithing. What I need you to hear is um, what I'm not saying. So I'll give you a little disclaimer up front. I'm not saying that if you're obedient and tithe the way you're going to be taught about tithing today, if you do this, it's the magic bullet to solve all of your financial problems. I'm not saying that it's uh, guaranteed. If you do this, it equals this. What I am saying is this is what God's word says about tithing, and I'm going to teach you about tithing. But you can tithe even according to the Bible and have other areas of your life where you're not obedient to the Lord or in rebellion or in sin and not receive the benefit of the tithe. So the tithe in and of itself, this isn't the one size fits all, I've got my Christianity figured out thing. So just because I'm talking about tithing specifically today, don't lose sight of the fact that there's more to loving and fearing and obeying God than just the tithe. You tracking with me? Make sense? Cool. So we're going to jump in to Proverbs. It's going to be in your notes, and it's going to be up on the screen. And the way this is going to work, we're going to talk a little bit about what the tithe is, and then we're going to jump into some principles of tithing. So let's start with this. Proverbs 3 says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is a passage a lot of people are familiar with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your, uh, straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Be not wise in your own eyes. Underline that. Be not wise in your own eyes. We get in this habit of the older we get, the more we start to see uh, ourselves as kind of having some wisdom. Like we've got something to offer. For those of us that are parents, you know, and you have teenagers, you're like, I wish they would just ask me because I could make this easier on them. Like we start to think of ourselves as wise in our own eyes. 
Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Then honor the Lord with your wealth and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And if you're a lady in here and your husband's not, like you're not on the tithing, you might be giving him the elbow like I had no idea there was wine in this. <laughs> bursting vats of wine, I'm just kidding. The, the point is that we honor God with our wealth and then God takes care of us. And the reality is, as we get into this, you're gonna have to have some conversations with yourself and with your budget and with your spouse if you have one. You're gonna have to have some conversations if you're not tithing the way we talk about tithing today, you might have to have some lifestyle adjustment conversations like we did years ago. You might have to evaluate whether or not you actually have to have a $300 a month cell phone bill. You might have to evaluate whether or not you need DirecTV and internet and this and this and that you get what I'm saying? Like you might have to make some adjustments, okay? So, Let's talk about what the tithe is, okay? Let's uh, zero in on it. The first point is this. The tithe comes from everything we take in. It comes from everything we take in. Let's look at Leviticus there. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. So, like, when we start talking about, like we've been talking about in this series, like everything belongs to God, it was his to begin with, like the tithe is holy, it's to be set aside for God, to be brought into the storehouse, like it's holy, and when we think about it that way, it makes it a little bit easier for us to have a right perspective about like, do I want to take God's stuff and use it for my stuff? Because when we think about it that way, it sort of keeps it in the right perspective, like, um, Geez, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like I'm sort of doing something bad. Yeah, like that's a biblical view of your finances. The tithe is holy. Um, Deuteronomy 14 says this, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. So everything, all the yield, like whatever you make, whatever you prosper, and we'll talk more about this, you tithe, the full tithe. It's not a 2%, it's not a 5%. Some people might be given 5% or every time they come to church, you don't even really keep track of it. You just throw a little bit of money in, whatever you happen to have on you. Great, that's nice and you're being generous, but that's not a tithe. A tithe is a full 10% of the first fruits of what you make, okay? Number two. The tithe goes to the Levites, who are the priests, to support the work that they do. Let's look at numbers. To the Levites, I've given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting. So the tent of meeting is the tabernacle, which becomes the temple, which becomes the church. Like, here we are. The tithe goes to support those who work and serve in the church. In the Old Testament, it was for those that served in the temple. So we happen to be, those of us that work in full-time ministry are in this um, unique position 
where we actually are in a spot where we're a part of something that God's planned since the very beginning, that those that work in full-time service of the Lord are completely and totally dependent on the generosity of God's people for our livelihood. Back when I used to do construction, I, however much money I made, depending on how hard I worked or what I sold or whatever, or if there was commissions in something else, like I, I, I could contribute into the in how much money was coming in. Here, you are utterly in um, a position where we're, where we're dependent on the generosity of God's people. It's a really humbling spot to be as a Christian to know that that's where your income comes from. Let's take a look at the next one. The tithe should be the first tenth of everything. The first tenth of everything. So again, we go back to um, in the very beginning, like God's always required the first fruits of us all the way back to Cain and Abel. Like the problem with Cain's sacrifice wasn't that it wasn't a tenth, it was that Abel brought the fat of the, of the flock like right away and, and then it says, and Cable in some time, or Cain in some time, brought his. It was like he, he didn't bring it right away. It wasn't the first fruits. And throughout history, God has called us to bring the first fruits. And we'll talk more about that as we get into the principles. Okay. Um, we're going to get into those principles. We're going to open up looking at those by looking at Malachi. Okay. So in Malachi chapter three, verse eight, it says this, will man rob God? And the answer is, what do you guys think? No, I really want to know. What do you guys think? Yeah. Will man rob God? He says, yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. He goes on, he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test as the Lord of hosts if I will not open up the windows of heaven and for you uh, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Like we're to bring the full tithe into the storehouse, which is the church. We are to test God in this area. Again, I'm not telling you, like I said, my, dis my disclaimer at the beginning, I'm not saying this is like, uh, this is the God lottery program. Like if you tithe, you're going to automatically win big. Like God's going to open up and pour buckets of gold from heaven. That's not what God's saying. What God's saying is that if you are righteous, if you're living righteously, if you're honoring God with your life and, and you love him and your life reflects it and you are tithing, he's like, Test me in this area. Like, put me first when it comes to your money and see if I won't open up the window in heaven and provide for you. See if I won't take care of what you need. So we're going to jump into these principles, okay? There's eight principles that talk about uh, the principles of tithing, okay? Let's look at the first one. The tithe belongs to the Lord, not to us. That's just a truth about tithing, the tithe belongs to the Lord, not us. Malachi 3.10 that we just looked at said, bring the full tithe. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Not some of it, not a little bit of it. Bring the full tithe. It belongs to the Lord. Remember the story we talked about last week with uh, 
Joshua 7, and we talked about uh, Jericho, where God's people were first coming into the promised land, and they conquered Jericho, and it fell, and God said, that city is to be dedicated to me, the whole city. Take nothing from it, burn it. There's going to be many cities to come, but this is the first one. God wanted the first fruits, and he wanted them to burn it. And what did, a- what did Achan do? What did he do? He kept some stuff, right? He took a little silver and a little gold and he kept it. And, and so the whole thing wasn't followed through on like God had commanded. And there was consequences for that, right? Like not only the battle that we talked about, the, the forthcoming battle that a bunch of guys died as a result of that, but also Achan died, his wife died, his kids died, his extended family died. Like not just in the area of tithing, But in many areas where God calls us to be obedient to him, if we are not obedient in following God's commands, it has consequences. And here's the hard truth for us as people. The hard truth is it has consequences that affect more than just us when we don't follow God's plans and do God's things God's way. Like Achan showed us that the consequences spilled out all the way onto his family and even onto his kids. Let's look at the second one. We're to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse, again, it's the tabernacle in the Old Testament, uh, and then it becomes the temple, and then it's the church. Um, The whole tithe, the full 10% to the church. I know this feels like, Jesus is a little redundant, like here's the cool thing about tithing. It's really simple. But because money is such a big part of our lives, and we feel like we need it so much for the things that we have to have and the things that we need to have and the things that we want to have, and it's so much a part of our goals and the ambitions and our careers. Like Money is such a huge thing for us, and it gets intertwined into all of our mess of our life. Something that should be so simple, put it in our hands, it gets really complicated. And we go into 101 negotiations with God on what it is and what we should do with it and how we should do it, how we shouldn't do it, and all this kind of stuff. So that's why we're just kind of hammering through these principles. In uh, Mark 12, it talks about uh, Jesus up on the Temple Mount where he sees the widow with the widow's might. And he says this, he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box and many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which made a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, if there's ever a time where you feel like somebody should get a pass on tithe, this gal has to be the one, right? Like, you would just feel like, it it almost seems to me like in the scene, if you're watching it like a movie, I just kind of wish that God would have like whispered over to Jesus and went, hey, hey, quick, before she drops that in, go over there. And, you know, and Jesus wraps his arm around her and pulls her off to the side. And he's like, hey, quick, hang on. We're, we're good. We don't need that. Like, I love your heart. I love your commitment. But, like, we'll be okay without your two coins. But what does Jesus say to her? Nothing. Jesus doesn't say anything to her. 
What does Jesus say about her? Good job. He, caught, he actually points her out. He calls his guys, his disciples, he calls them over to him and he says, look over there. That, that is what I'm talking about. He commends her. He doesn't bail her out. He commends her and says, there is a lady that understands what it means to tithe. When it comes to tithing, it's something that we should be doing on our own. It's not something that we should be, have to be reminded about. It's not something that the church has any sort of collection department for. If you ever go to a church that that's there, leave immediately. Like, that's wrong. Um, we're not going to come knock on your door. If you notice at our church over the, over the weeks, if you've come, and over the years, if you've come, we don't make a huge deal about talking about tithing a bunch. We, we mention it like, here's how you can tithe, and there's a spot, and that's about as much as we talk about it. We don't make a big stir or fuss about trying to, like, talk you out of your money or something. That is not our job. Your job in your relationship with God is for you to understand tithe and be obedient to bring the tithe to the storehouse on your own. That's your responsibility as a Christian. And we're not supposed to be the ones reminding you about it or hounding you about it or talking you into it. It's between you and God and it's an act of obedience and faithfulness that you would bring it in on your own. Let's look at the next one. Number three. We're to bring the whole tithe, okay? Now, we're not supposed to work up to 10%. It's not, I'm gonna start with what I can and then eventually I'll get my budget adjusted to where I can give 10%. No, as Christians, when we become Christ followers, it, that's where we start. We start at 10%. We don't work up to it. Here's another thing. We don't do this, and I, I've heard this lots of times, and Aaron's heard it a thousand times more than me, is you talk to somebody about tithing, and they're like, okay, that makes sense. We'll have to go pray about it. I'll, let me talk to my wife, and we'll pray about it. Let me talk to my husband, and I'll go pray about it. I gotta, I'll get back to you on that. I'm going to pray about it. It's like, pray about what? Obeying God? Like, I don't get that. Like, okay, did you know that the Bible also says don't murder? Yeah, I did. Have you decided not to murder yet, or are you still praying about it? I was just checking. I want to know if you're armed, right? Like, we just need to be obedient to God. Next one. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Okay, here's where we're coming with this one. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What some people do is they start to get creative and they think that they're being great financial managers for God and they know better what to do with his tithe than he does. And so they go, I'm gonna give 2% to World Vision or whatever this thing is over here and I'm gonna give 3% to this other really cool ministry that my aunt's neighbor is involved in because I saw a Facebook video on it and it seemed like they were nice. And then I'm gonna give some other money to this thing over here and now I've got my whole tithe paid. I paid 10%. In fact, last month I did 11 Here's news. That is not tithing. That is not tithing. That's just giving money to stuff. The tithe is the full 10% brought to the storehouse, to the church, to be used to do the work of the kingdom and to support the workers in the church. Like, that's what the Bible teaches. Next one. We should bring the whole tithe into the storehouse on the first day of the week. Let's look at 1 Corinthians there. It says this, on the first day of every week, 
each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Like the key part of that passage is that, that we're putting it away as, as we prosper. So a lot of us get in the habit of this. Like we get paid once a month, so we tithe when we get paid. We get paid twice a month, so we tithe when we pay. But the principle of tithing is that as we prosper, we tithe. So you bought a jalopy and fixed it up and you made 500 bucks selling this old truck to a buddy of yours and you made 500 bucks, great, tithe. Like you did a, you know, some work for somebody on the side outside of your paycheck and you got this other money that you had some income on, great, tithe. You flipped the house and made a bunch of money on it because it's Pullman and that's what happens here is houses sell for a bunch of money. And great, you made some money, tithe. Like it's not, tithe is not, paycheck dependent. It's prosper dependent. You follow me? As you prosper, you tithe. Next one. The tithe belongs to God. We're not free to designate it, direct it, divide it, divvy it up. Like, our job is to bring the full tithe to the storehouse. Uh, a lot of people like to do this, like this happens a lot, um, is people turn in checks and they'll have a little note to make sure that the church people know what they want God to do with this check. And it usually says something like, this check is my tithe and it needs to only go to this ministry. I don't, you know, like... I like that ministry because my niece does it or this one doesn't do it or I saw the way those teenagers tore up the building like as long as it doesn't go for that youth stuff, right? Like it's not ours to designate. We don't get to direct and tell God what to do with the tithe. Our job is to just bring the tithe to the storehouse. Next one. In the Old Testament, Priests administer the tithes and offering today. The church leaders have that responsibility. Check out 1 Timothy. It says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And for those of us here in the church that work in this area of preaching and teaching, we understand that it is a really sacred responsibility and it comes with a higher level of accountability. Like, as teachers and preachers of the word, we will be held accountable to God for what we teach and what we preach and how we represent him because we have influence and we speak his word and instruct people. Now here's the cool part about that. Like it, it's awesome to be a part of a family and be a part of a church that can tithe and be faithful and know that we are accountable to God, not accountable to you. Because if we're accountable to you, it becomes the popularity thing of who has the most sway over the pastor, who has the most sway over the elders, like who gives the most, or what uh, you know, uh, position do they hold in town or at the other guy's place where they work together. Like, and then all this other junk comes in and it starts to look like politics in the world. And that is not the way the church operates. We're accountable to God. Let's look at the last principle here. It's biblical for leaders to set aside a sum of money for tithes and offerings for God's people uh, for mission work. And that's a good thing, right? That's a really cool thing. And the neat thing at our church is that since Real Life has been down here on the Palouse, um, by partnering with other Real Life church plants and by partnering with a church planning organization, they've now helped, you have now helped support 
and get uh, just about, I think right now it's 25 churches planted in the last 10 years, which is awesome, which is awesome. That's a result of your generosity. Just a few years ago, very specifically, the real life churches, including the Moscow and Pullman campuses, partnered to help really go all in with Real Life Texas and get one of our main guys that started in Post Falls, Brandon Ginnon, and a team started down outside of Houston, Texas. And that church got up and running off the ground. And a couple months ago, um, uh, Josh and Aaron got to go down and attend the first service they had in their actual facility, finally. Like, they have been putting in the work and there's actually now a church outside of Houston, Texas where people are coming and hearing the gospel and being encouraged and discipled and poured into in part because of your generosity. And all of you probably are pretty aware of the fact that, that that's like in that same process that those guys went through. Logan and Paul are right now going through that process in Missoula, Montana. There are two guys that are both from the Moscow Pullman team that were sent out and they're on their way working at building up a church. They're there in part able to do what they're doing because of your generosity. It's a really sweet legacy. Like when God's people tithe and actually bring the full tithe into the storehouse, there is so much we can do. Here's the hard part. And I debated on saying numbers and stuff and I felt like it was a little slimy. But I'll just tell you this. It's lame, the amount of people that tithe. Like, super lame. The percentage of people that um, are all in church, but, just, but don't tithe, or don't give anything. And if everybody would just tithe... You're like, well, mine's not gonna make very much of a difference. It's like, I don't make very much. Great, you don't have to tithe very much, right? 10% of a dollar is the same as 10% of $1,000. Like, like, just tithe, just whatever you, wherever you're at. If you're like, I'm on a stipend for 50 bucks a month or you know, I make whatever, $300 a month, 30 bucks. Like, that's where you're at, just tithe, just be faithful. If everybody would just be faithful and bring the full tithe in, there is so much opportunity in our community and around us for ministry to happen. But it takes resources to do it. I think everybody in here wants to leave an amazing legacy on the Palouse that whatever, whenever we're done and gone, whether we stay here or we go somewhere else, that you could always look back years from now and see amazing things happening on the Palouse. Amazing God stories, lives changed because of our presence here, because of people walking out the mission of Christ on the Palouse. So, welcome to Tithe Sermon 101. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in there with me. We're gonna to move to our time of communion and they're gonna do the buckets first down the middle just like always. So those buckets, what we're looking for is your connection cards. Please make sure you turn those in. If you're new, uh, we want all your info because we wanna check up on you and all that good stuff. If you're a regular tender, please make sure you write your name on it. That's all you gotta do. And drop them in when they go by. Um, and then shortly after that, they're gonna pass the communion trays 
And at Real Life, if you're new with us and have never been here before, we do what we call, uh, we have what we call an open table. And so that means that anybody can have communion with us. You don't have to be a member of our church to have communion. So uh, if you want to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then we would love for you to have communion with us. When they pass the elements out, go ahead and just hold on to the bread and the cup. And then here at the end of the service, we'll take them together, okay? While they're passing those out, we're going to kind of hit some bullet points like wrap this up in your brain before we jump out of here, okay? They're in your notes. They'll be up here too. First one, it's a command of God to tithe. Pretty well hammered that thing home. Next. The tithe is not a destination for believers. It's the starting point. Again, we don't work our way up to 10%. It's where we start. Next one. The tithe belongs to the Lord through the church and goes into the Lord's work. Just what we talked about, the the opportunities we've had to serve in the community, the opportunities that we have to do ministry on the Palouse, the blessings we've had to be able to do ministry around the world and start other churches is a result of people being generous and being faithful with their tithe. Next one. The choice to tithe is not about how much money we have or don't have. It's a choice of obedience, nothing more, nothing less. Now, the good news is, the good news is we are in control of our choices, right? Like 100%, we get to choose whether or not we tithe. Like nobody's holding it over our head. Now, might it take some major adjustments in your life? Yep. And I'm just saying, been there, done that. You can do it. You can do it. And it's worth it to be faithful and to be committed to doing God's things God's way. Hey, Matt, will you uh, communion me up? Thanks. I've done the air communion before, and I just feel really fake, so... I try to pretend, you know. So as we get ready to take take communion, like we do every week, the the whole deal with tithing is it's like this. It's like I said at the beginning, it's kind of one of those rubber meets the road opportunities where we get to actually practice doing what Jesus modeled for us. We get to practice laying down our lives, our desires, our wants, the things we think we need. We get to set those aside and put God first through our finances. We get to put God first with our wallet. And we, we commit to tithe out of our first fruits and to bring the full tithe to the, store, the storehouse. We set aside what we want to do God's things first and then we figure out how to make it work with what we got, and we make those adjustments that we need to make. And it's, it's a great reminder each and every week that like, this is what Jesus modeled for us. He laid down his life for us. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, and he gave thanks, and he said, let's eat this and as often as we get together in remembrance of him. In the same way, he took the cup, which is the cup of the new covenant, which represented his blood shed for us. As often as we get together, let's drink it and remember to him. God, we love you. Thanks for taking something that we complicate and try to wind up all kinds of reasoning around it and 
twist it around and you, you just give us this straightforward teaching. God, just be faithful with bringing the full tithe to the storehouse. Thanks for making it easy to understand. It's not always easy to do, but thanks for making it easy to understand. I pray that you would, um, that you would just encourage those in here that are in a position where they really do need to make some adjustments, Lord, that you would give them the, the vision and direction and, and just help them see the, see the things that they need to adjust. Sometimes you get stuck and you can't see what you even need to do. So God, be with them. Help us to be a place that's full of people that uh, love obeying you and love doing things your way. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com.